Welcome to the Wonders of Thetis podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. And I'm Jessica. And I'm Leona. Welcome back, Leona. We've, we've got a very, a bittersweet episode this time around. Yes, mostly sweet. Mostly it sweet. It is bittersweet. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a change. It's not, uh, yes. it's not an ending. It is not, uh, not a farewell. It's a see you on the other side. Yes. Very much so. Because uh, this is going to be uh, our last episode of this particular podcast before it morphs into a new show, uh, a new series of shows that we will still talk about Dragon Age. Yeah, I mean, this uh, show is still effectively going to happen. Pretty much, yeah. Just, it's going to be mixed with other new content. Mm-hmm. And it's a good name. I really like our name. I was very pleased. We had... Uh, it is help. clever. Yes. We got some help from uh, some of the folks who are actually going to be in the actual play. Oh, goodness. You're bad at phones. This is a new phone. We're so phone. ready to have good production value. <laughs> this <laughs> is the quality you can expect. All right. Clearly, we are ready to jump into this new podcast face first. Yep. But uh, we are the... What's the official name for the acronym? We'll call, uh, the, the Aegis. Well, no, I know that. That was uh, the fun The Adventure part. Game Engine. The, what? I was going to say that. You were going to say that part? Yeah. I couldn't remember the, the part. was I was going to say that. The Adventure Game Whatever Words part. That's not the cool acronym. The Adventure Game Engine Interest Series. Yes. Aegis. There we go. That's it. I like it. I think it's pretty cool, too. It should be pretty neat. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. We've already done some recording for things, and you guys have all heard us hinting, and some of you have been uh, talking to us on Facebook and getting some updates as things go, and we'll be letting we'll be letting y'all in on some pretty cool stuff. We're pretty excited to share what we've done so far. Hope you like it. I've had a lot of fun so far. So, and of course, we'll still be doing these, just sort of interspersed. Mm-hmm. I, of course, continue to be a tech whiz with these shows, doing everything absolutely perfectly. Oh, yes. Super perfectly. There are no weird cuts. No weird there cuts. There are no bloopers that our patrons are going to get to listen to and laugh at your expense. The microphone levels are always spot on. Yeah. And 100%. there's no problems mm-hmm. with the background music. Nope. Nothing like that. Nope. Yeah, we're trying new stuff, so you know there's a, there's a couple of little uh, there's a couple of little dents and dings in it, but you know mm. we just gotta buff them out. Yeah, content's pretty good. I like to think. I think so. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yes. So shall we explain so a little bit more about what we're what it is that we're gonna be? Why don't we do that after we do? Oh, let's see. Let's see. This episode of the One Is the Fatest podcast, episode sure. seventy eight. We'll explain we're... a little more after the episode. Hmm. Uh, this episode we are talking about a background, and I made the executive decision that I wanted to talk about dwarves, because dwarves are the coolest. Ren really likes dwarves. I really like dwarves. Well, they're the for dwarves. Dwarves are the second coolest. Oh, whatever. I mean, I, I gotta agree. They have the coolest part of the right? campaign setting that I'd never want to live in. Uh, yeah, I would, boy, I would yeah, live so that'll... badly in Orzammar. I'll give you. <laughs> but that's because I'm a keeper. 
Mm-hmm. That's what you say anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I'm a keeper. Anyway. I want to make a joke about something being dusty, but that just seems mean. <laughs> that does seem mean. Why would you <gasps> that is mean. That is mean. Uh, well, we're going back to Orzammar because the winning votes uh, went to the Highborn Dwarf. Yes. Although there was a fair amount of competition, the Surface Dwarf got pretty close. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to start this episode with our D20 Radio shout-out. Uh, we've covered these folks before, but they have come a long way since then. The Dice Pool Podcast. Woo! Uh, GM Hooley, GM Huzz, GM Flano, and GM Caitlin are the hosts of this show, which covers the Genesis RPG by Fantasy Flight Games, the setting-free system for their unique cinematic dice system that you may have used if you've played the new Star Wars RPG by Fantasy Flight Games. Yes. That's they adjust a fun the, game. They adjust the dice a little around a little bit, but it's... Same basic concepts, and mm-hmm. Genesis is supposed to be setting agnostic, so you can just have your cinematic dice in whatever world you want. Sort uh, of a canvas. Right, exactly. While the main show may look like it only has 26 episodes, that is misleading. They also have a few short series of actual plays in various settings using the Genesis system, one of which I believe they wrote themselves. Uh, they discuss the unique dice of the game, talk about settings for the game, they do a couple of reviews... Uh, speak on more general advice like session zeros or how to make combat more manageable and exciting. Mm-hmm. But of course, within the context of the Genesis RPG. Uh, like our show, they also feature original creations from fans of the show, which they document in a resources page on their website, thedicepoolpodcast.com. They're like a sister show. Yeah. For us. They started a little after us, but uh, they say they do good work. I've already seen, I've taken a look at some of the resources, and I saw that someone went through the trouble of making a Final Fantasy VII hack for Oh, that's all right up your alley. Absolutely up my alley. I was very excited. And then, so if you enjoy Fantasy Flight Star Wars RPG, you're going to have lots to love in the Dice Pool podcast. Give them a listen. Definitely check them out. Uh, we got no news this week in Thetis. Uh, no, let's see, no mentioning of books. Uh, no mentioning of Dragon Age Four either. Uh, we're in the waiting game right now. It could be a while. Get comfy. It's going to be a long wait. Probably at least a year, I think, before we hear anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably still pretty soft concept stages right now, because I believe the uh, Bioware fo- the folks who the Dragon Age team was pulled to go work on. Uh, on Anthem. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So they had to drop what they were doing, go work on Anthem, and then come back to what they were doing. And it sounds like some things might be changing. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's still going to be fun, whatever comes out. I um, hope so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to have fun with it, most likely. It doesn't right. matter, but... I'm still probably going to buy it. Hmm. Uh, oh, I'm still going to pre-order it, whichever collector's edition you can get. And, yeah. You know, because, here, take my money. Just take my money. Just take my money. Mm-hmm. Here, it is yours. It's like the upcoming video for a specific yeah. video game character <laughs> that we've had some mixed feelings about, but we're still going to go see it when it comes out. <sighs> there, we're going to shut up and they're going to take our rings. They are going to take all our rings. <laughs> They're going to take all our rings. At least he's got a cool game coming out. I think it just came out. Yeah, it just came out a little while ago. 
Anyway. Sonic the Hedgehog is what we're talking about, incidentally. If anyone wants to talk about that. Sonic, you should absolutely talk, hit us up. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we are going to start today by consulting our codex. You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but... Oh, good. Thank you. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the Codex. We've got a large collection of questions to work through because uh, we've wanted to, I wanted to do a proper send-off, uh, especially to one of our very particular fans who's been working very hard to get us questions and get us content to work with. Uh, and a couple of these are pretty Dragon Age specific, so this is definitely the best place to answer them. So, Jamie, through our email, this one goes out to you. Thank you so much. Uh, first question from Jamie is, how does tanking slash taunting work in this game? If you are the tank, how do you keep taunt? This is a really actually relevant question for our Fantasy Age adventures that we've been going through. we got some characters that are wanting to know how this works in particular. So it's not really my specialty, but I'd be interested in hearing what you two have to say about it. I got a couple ideas, but again, I'll do this. I like warriors, so I've got ideas. Uh, Leona, what do you think? I have one warrior, and she died. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that gosh. was sad. But basically, get in their faces. You know, make yourself the closest target for, you know, mm-hmm. getting them to, getting the enemies to attack you rather than um, your friends. And there is a taunt stunt that can make them attack. I think it makes them attack. Yes. Yes. Uh, or they get attacked at least to resist. Yeah. Yeah. Although you could only do that when you get stun points. And I think the problem with putting yourself just up in the front is when you get to more like intelligent enemies, this game doesn't have like attacks of opportunity and things like that. So when you go up in front, they see like more useful but squishier people in the back. They can just walk right past you. This is true. Mm-hmm. Which makes tanking a much taller order. It does make it tricky. Uh, the One of the things you can do, of course, is if you're a warrior, uh, when you hit, I believe, level 7 or so, uh, the, the uh, taunt stunt becomes cheaper for you to perform. It only costs one stun point, so you're almost guaranteed to be able to uh, grab it. Yeah, yes, but level if you seven. have to rely on getting stunt points to do your primary job that might not be so good there is also uh the uh, the possibility that your gm might be cool with you just using your major action to perform one of the cheap stunts so you Mm -hmm. could have the gm could just let you perform the the threatened stunt and have them come at you that's not a bad idea Uh, although you have to uh, consider because they they get a test to resist it right they do uh it's an opposed test from between yours uh strength intimidation versus their willpower (laughs) self-discipline Although that is a pretty powerful ability. It does force them to attack you if you win. Um, and I believe if they have access to area of effect attacks, they have to at least include you in it. Yeah, because that's a really powerful ability to suddenly just be able to do it well. Mm-hmm. You only get to hit one person, though. That is true. So if you've got uh, multiple people, you'll also want to try a roll in high to get the Sway the Crowd stunt. That's not bad. Yeah, if a, if a GM were to allow something like that, that could really increase the opportunities for a taunt-based tanking. If you really want to get in their craw, uh, I would also I would recommend uh, 
once you hit level seven, taking the warrior because eventually you'll get it for cheaper. You do have to wait a little while, so at yeah, early levels it could be a little a tricky. Little um, if you get the oratory talent to journeyman level, you can yes. essentially threaten. You could use sway the crowd to threaten three people at once. Very good. I love I loved the oratory talent, and been, I'm taking it again with this character for a used, different reason. It's been used very well in my campaigns. Usually by me. Usually by Jessica. But yeah, no, that would be a really good combo. Also, I could mm-hmm. see that working very well with the uh, like the guardian sort of, th- especially mm-hmm. thematically, but just in general. Yeah. Give you all sorts of different ways to tank, like, you know, even the people you can't manage to taunt. Mm-hmm. Anyone who attacks the person you're supposed to be guarding, just the more, some of that damage goes to you anyway. Uh-huh. And uh, if you get to master degree as a guardian, uh, anybody who attacks your charge, you get a free attack on them. Yep. I think you only get one per round, but still. And of course, there are some, what is it, uh, more, I guess, slightly metagamey ways to tank is uh, if you are a good damage dealer, that makes you more difficult to ignore. Yeah. Uh, if you are easy to hit, then that can also uh, make you... played that game. I have played this game. In Pathfinder, my most effective tank was actually... It actually works very well for uh, for an age game. It was not somebody with a good AC, because if people just missed your AC, you had to force them to attack you all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what he did was his AC was not good, so he got hit all the time, but he had a bunch of DR. Yeah. Uh, he also married game, a cleric. So. He also married a cleric. That certainly helped him live through <laughs> that. But the, uh, I'd still have points when the GM was... Uh, you know, of course, this is a game that, uh, in Pathfinder, your d- damage reduction, unlike Fantasy Age and Dragon Age and other Age games, like armor rating comes up all the time. It shaves off yeah. damage from all of your attacks. DR is not very common. DR is not as common in Pathfinder. So when the GM has given me like hundred point, hundreds of points of damage, he's like, are you still standing? Like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> no, I'm good. Going. Yeah, I mean, you had DR and then you have Cleric Wife taking half of the damage you do to... <laughs> Yep, any of the damage that I do take, you took half of it. Yep. So, you know, that's fun. Um, it, let's see. So, uh, being able to deal lots of damage makes you difficult to ignore, which means that people are going to have to turn their attention to you to at least try and slow you down. Um, even if you're not dealing a lot of damage, if you're able to perform a lot of debuffing things like knock prones and disarming people... Uh, just get really annoying, then people are going to turn over to you as well. That is true. If you're obnoxious, uh, people try to kill you faster. If your defense is not very high, uh, then you make them. Then you people can actually hit you. Then you make a more enticing target, mm-hmm. so people think that they can take you down quicker. Uh, of course. That said, in this game, like, in this game, getting it, a high defense isn't really a thing too much, yeah. unless you're already kind of a rogue and mm-hmm. wielding a shield and. A duelist, and basically. <laughs> just playing Jill's character. You're just Callian. Getting a defense fine. in like the mid twenties. Yeah, she got it pretty high. She it did was, pretty good. It was impressive. But yeah, well, I mean, that's that's what I can think of as far as tanking slash taunting. Uh, keeping taunts is pretty much going to be uh, stay annoying. Yep. Whether yeah. that means uh, pushing them down, taking their weapons, uh, actually using the threatened stunt. Uh, dealing lots of damage or just getting in the way. There's also the pre- I meant to mention the uh, the press the attack action as a minor action. If you hit someone that round, you can use your minor action to press the attack. 
which means that if they move away from you, you get to move with them. So yeah. they can't get, they can't leave you or, get, or necessarily get around you. Now, all, the other issue is just assuming base rules, like if you were going to try to disarm somebody or grab them or whatever, usually you can only do that if you have stunt points. Mm-hmm. So you'd need a GM that's okay with you taking those kinds of actions without getting the stunt points. Mm-hmm. Which, from a logic perspective, seems to make a lot of sense because, mm-hmm. like... I'm usually okay if the stunt doesn't cost more than, like, three stunt points. Yeah. If that's all you're doing and you're not dealing any damage, then sure, why not? Mm-hmm. No, like, I don't know, free... I guess free fast casting wouldn't work because you'd still have to mm-hmm. actually cast a spell to do it. Uh, ooh... It just occurred to me that the uh, the threaten the text, <laughs> depending on what GM you have or how you want to run it, uh, the threatened stunt mm-hmm. has you roll a test, which means you could maybe generate stunt points on that. Test. I assume that was why it we were talking about the oratory talent. It doesn't specifically say that you can't use threaten that you can't get stunt oh. points on that roll. So if you want to run it that way, it means you could potentially roll more than one threatened stunt in a row. My favorite rule is if it doesn't say you can't, then you can. And I mean, that's that is certainly a way you can rule it. Unless and that, you get a GM who's like, nah. I if if it were me and they wanted to spend the stunt points on be more you. threatens, then honestly, I would probably be okay with that because especially because. They just take sway the crowd. Too. I mean, they could also take sway the crowd. They could be a lot more efficient. Uh, but then you could spend them on taunts. Or bon mot. The most important bon stuff. Mo- yeah, that is the most important stuff. <laughs> By far. Absolutely. So, uh, so you know, you got a lot of options. You just gotta be really annoying. And if you really want to, be a little loose with the rules. And let the players kind of exploding dice their threatened stunts, you know. <laughs> could be fun it could be fun right i would assume that after the first one you wouldn't get stunt points because just generally generally once you've done your major action and you've gotten stunt points on it you can't get stunt points on the thing mm-hmm. that you got like on the stunt point thing you're doing the role that you get because yeah. of the stunt points you generate on that last and that test. feels a little bit more balanced anyways like you could mm-hmm. max out it too or you could take the sway the crowd route and take the oratory route and mm-hmm. be better just yeah. generally i can see that I hope that answers your question. We definitely <laughs> talked about it a lot. Definitely went It's been coming it. up in our household, so we've been thinking about it. Yes. Uh, next is a couple of quick questions. Still uh, from Jamie. Still from Jamie that are centering around naval combat. Pathfinder Game Mastery Guide. Incidentally, excellent book. Uh, and say even for folks who don't necessarily play Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, has a nifty system I could potentially look into making an age conversion for. Uh, this organization system also kind of works. Uh, as I get better at the systems, I could maybe work out some house rules for ship to ship combat. Uh, did game, game mastery guide had some, or was it, uh, ultimate combat, ultimate combat had vehicular, let's see, had vehicles. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I might have to look at it again. It's still a good book. Yeah, um, it has been a while. I don't think this one's necessarily a question. I think that one's just, that one's leading up to some others. Uh, but naval combat, if you want to handle it in a, in an age game, I would highly recommend checking out the fantasy age companion because it has rules for vehicles and vehicular combat. Uh, they keep it pretty simple. And honestly, if you're doing ship to ship combat, 
the primary tactic is boarding. Unless you're... If you, uh, if you want to take their stuff, of Unless course. you're like Admiral Yi, and then you just build turtle boats and just win every fight. Turtle boats, turtle boats are OP. <laughs> turtle boats are OP. Extra, extra History is a really cool series, incidentally. I learned some really cool stuff about naval combat. Yes, but, uh, but um, I do like the idea of if you're doing like a full naval like uh, story, mm-hmm. like, then yeah, absolutely take a more complicated... Yes. A uh, system for ship to ship combat and build it into Fantasy Age or Dragon mm-hmm. Age. Um, how they do it Wait, in uh, the Fantasy Age Companion is that they have a table of anti vehicle stunts. And you can specifically, uh, let's see, most attacks are considered to probably be incidental. If you're attacking somebody who is part of a, who is like in a vehicle, you can choose to use anti anti vehicle stunts to damage the vehicle that they're in, or you can perform a major action to specifically perform an anti vehicle attack, which automatically generates you one stun point on the table that you can that of course if you happen to roll stun points on it, you get extras to spend on it, mm-hmm. and you have to roll I think. The only thing that would make it tricky is that it could end up being super dangerous because I think five stun points means that you break their vehicle. Which that seems means... a little off for a whole ship. Right, right. for an entire ship. <laughs> you just accidentally... Maybe do that a couple of times, maybe? Yeah, maybe, maybe it can only handle so like... many of those particular stunts. Yeah, like the first time you get the five stun points, maybe you... Uh break the mast or something and mm-hmm. then i like that go from there yeah because like i don't like, unless you're level 20 i don't see somebody just like coming over and calmly <laughs> cutting your ship in half <laughs> right you blow a hole in the side for the next roll you know five stunt points that maybe doesn't sink the ship completely but it definitely hand- hinders it you know each time you do a little more damage Mm-hmm. i like that rule yeah uh, next, uh, thing that Jamie added is Kunare Dreadnoughts don't sink because of the Gatlock. How to accommodate for this? I think that if the vehicle is destroyed, then all of the vehicle adjacent vehicles will get some anti-vehicle stunts being used against them. To quote a modern song, mm-hmm. light them up, 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 <laughs> light them up. Up, up. Uh, if, I, if I recall, uh, the, that five stunt point stunt actually mentions that if the vehicle is propelled by an engine that uses volatile components, that everybody aboard the ship takes like 3d6 penetrating damage. Yeah. So, you know, the boat blows up and then they go into the ocean. That's, you know, that's probably pretty yeah. good. I would just uh, replace the, oh, it sunk with, oh, it blew the heck it up. blew up. Uh, so that's that sounds fun i guess uh mages on ships how would one handle this Uh, it would depend on the spells i guess you're using yeah and what you want really Mm -hmm. blue rose and fantasy age have got a couple of spells that could really adjust uh naval combat but you know creative spellcasters here could Uh, i would also consider just like Unless you add a few random bonuses to whatever your ship combat's going to be. Like, you can just leave your mages for when you get into actual boarding combat. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Liana? I like it. You know, um, if you want to have your mages cast a few, you know, range spells against 
either the ship or people on the ship. Mm-hmm. Maybe do that. But I like the idea of saving your mages until you like bored. Yeah. Keeps things simple. Also, by the time yeah. a mage is even in range with most of their spells, you're effectively in boarding range. Yeah. True. I could see maybe a mage causing a lot of problems by casting like a cone of cold or a blizzard at the water that the ship is going towards. If you could, well, you'd have to make a pretty big iceberg. Yeah. It's fair. It would depend on how big the boats were, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, and last uh, sub-question was, how about classes of ships? Uh, I mean, Kunari ships are definitely going to be very different from, like, Tevinter ships. Well, and different, like, I mean, the closest I've come to understanding classes of ships is the fact that I did play Battleship as a child, and I know that some <laughs> ships are two pegs, and some ships are five pegs. And I would imagine just set up, the, you know, the level of difficulty it takes to destroy a ship, kind of like that. Like, how many times do you need Fair. to get that stunt point? Two uh, pegs worth. I like it. Get that stunt? Five pegs. I like it. I actually, carrier. <laughs> that's actually really great. That's cool. I like it a lot. Yeah. Battleship it. You're welcome. You know, the, the, the Kunari uh, Dreadnought is a four peg, but the yeah. rowboat, you know, dinghy that they that's all like, escape in, that's, that's like a two peg. peg. Or even maybe a one peg. That's just a peg. That's an A peg. A peg. I like it. All right, thank oh, you for you that question, it. Jamie. Uh, Jamie's next question was, how it was a, a bit of a broad one. How do you handle the veil? Carefully and as little as possible. Next question. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Moving on. Did, um, we did have an episode where we talked about the fade, I think. Uh, uh, probably. Some, I think, goodness. We've been doing this for a while. We have been doing this for a while. I should have looked up episode numbers. I, but I think we I think we did talk about the uh, the fade at some point. Um, as for how you handle the veil, I don't, you're the GM. How do you want to handle it? The veil yeah. can pretty much do whatever you want it to. It's it's the realm of dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the veil itself is the thing that keeps like that fixes the the fade and the physical world mm-hmm. separately. Like the veil itself. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like unless you're dealing with weird, fady nonsense or, you know, you're dealing with Inquisition times, the veil mm. isn't really going to be that big a deal unless you have, like, you know, like in the Brazilian forest, can confirm that it's kind of thin and uh, demons and stuff come out of there sometimes or get into our trees and stuff. But, you know, just use your judgment. Decide how that works for you. It's yeah, What do you want the veil to do? Yeah. What do you think, Leona? The veil does whatever you want it to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the only thing, like, the only thing that ever came up with us that we kind of, in our game, that we didn't do was allow blood magic in the fade. Mm-hmm. Because, and the way we went around that was, um, in order to use blood magic, you're pulling on blood and not the fade. Well, if you're in the fade, it's your body. It's not your bo- unless you're there bodily, which doesn't happen except for what twice. Yeah, very it's your rarely. you're not there bodily, so you don't have any real blood to pull from. Okay, I like that. That's interesting. That's a nice extra so, challenge for all the very OP blood mages. <laughs> right. So if you're in the fade, we kind of said no blood magic because there's no real blood 
free yeah. to use. Unless you're walking in and then all bets are off. But if you're walking in, yeah, you can. But even then, I mean, it only happened twice and, you know, it didn't really go very well. <laughs> yeah. We did it once at the end of our mm -hmm. game. We walked in. It was not great. Had to go assault a demon lord in his own in his own domain. Yeah, I didn't like mm -hmm. it. I didn't like it. It wasn't it wasn't a great time. <laughs> it was a little rough. Give it a zero star review and like Airbnb. <laughs> zero zero of ten help. would not recommend. <laughs> zero, yeah, zero of ten. It <laughs> would not fight this demon lord again. Uh, no. Right. Uh, Jamie's last question here today is uh, Kunari Black Powder. How would you handle it? Also, can you imagine Kunari with guns? Or does that sound too lore-breaking? Kunari do have access to explosives. They have access to cannons. Eventually, that is probably going to lead to them miniaturizing it enough that they could use it as a personal weapon. It will not necessarily change warfare immediately, uh, but it will change the face of warfare gradually once uh, Kunari start bringing guns. I guess you could say that it's uh, soon to happen, but miniaturized weapons like um, these are not quite canon. Ooh. Uh, oh, you set me up for it. <laughs> <sighs> I, I, I love you. That's nice. Yeah. I, I was going to mention that I'm honestly kind of terrified that Dragon Age 4 is going to be the Kunari made guns. <laughs> Kunari 4. The Kunari 4. Dragon, Dragon Age 4, the one where the Kunari have freaking guns. Well, if you played the... Small spoilers. If you played Descent, mm -hmm. there were gun-like things. There were gun-like things. It's true. There were... There were gun-like weapons, so it's probably going to happen sooner rather than later. Oh, man. Yeah. I, uh, when I, <laughs> I, I want to talk about it now, but, you know, I think we still got... Right. We still got kind of our, you know, it's the latest game, the latest DLCs. They came out not too long ago. Three and a half years, that, well, four years ago was when the Descent DLC okay. came out. All right. Tell you what, what if we... No, I'm sorry, three our... years ago. Three years we hold on to it for like this episode since it's our last like official yeah. Wonders of Thetis episode. But after this, like all bets are off. You know that's probably fair. I like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so to answer your question, I don't think it sounds too lore breaking. I feel like it should be a bit of a turning point uh, when Kunara come over the hill and have these weird, uh, these weird tubes in their hands that shoot tiny rocks really fast at people. Great. Great. Fun stuff. Granted, you know, guns also didn't necessarily work very well on people who brought plate armor. They had to, you know, guns changed things rather quickly, but they still had some growing to do once they started seeing real use in battle. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it would be world-breaking. I think it would be an, a, a big turning point, though. Yeah, depends on how you portray the guns, I guess. Mm-hmm. The Kunari just come along and blunderbusses, you know. It could, it could, and they're just shotgunning <laughs> everybody. Then, you know, that that could that could get pretty rough and rowdy. Just come in with like, you know, Chicago typewriter, Urka, uh, Resident Evil Four, just endless bullets. Oh, good. Wearing some bowler hats. 
I could see rocket launchers being a thing. I mean, that was honestly one of the early firearms being made. I would not be surprised to see Kunari rocket launchers. Yes. I didn't think that was a phrase that I was going to hear today. <laughs> I don't really want to hear Goes it because I don't know you. what to, I don't want to know what the Kunari are going to do with those. Anyway. Because, mostly because we know exactly what they're going to do with those. They're going to come save us all. I don't like it. Let's end this question. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie, for all the questions. We very much appreciate it. If you've got a question about the Dragon Age RPG, whether it's mechanics, build suggestions, questions about lore, clarifications, or anything else, send a message to aegispodcast at gmail.com. That's A-G-E-I-S yes. podcast. Not spelled, it sounds like the mythical suit of unbreakable armor, but it's spelled with A-G-E as an adventure game engine interest series. Uh, we're going to have a new Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google, uh, no, not even a Google Plus. There Dang. will be no new Google there Plus. Will... You've got to let go. i got to let go. <laughs> you have to know when to let go. <laughs> we, are not, we are not making problem sleuth references. <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, we'll have a SoundCloud. You can, of course, also send messages to Cot the Protector or Helipuff on the Green Running forums or send a message to cut or lease on the D20 radio forums. That's us. And I will definitely be checking those forums. What with all of the grad work that I am doing and all of the hair that I am pulling out of my head already, should... rest assured that I will be checking those on the regular. You should definitely at least like glance to see if you've got any messages that are like... Friends, I haven't been there in like a year and a half. <laughs> it's been a while. She's been busy. I'm busy. But I do want to hear what y'all have to say. Oh, you can... Uh, uh, you can find me on some social media, so if you want to talk to me there, you can probably do that. We'll be trying to. I'll probably be trying to get the Twitter handles of all our players. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're also gonna. Oh yeah. Oh, I have a Twitter. You do have a Twitter. It's now. at Pudding Sika. So Pudding S I C A. You can talk to me there. It's new, ish. It's new ish. All right. Thank you, Jamie, for the questions. As always, we hope that you will stick around with us, uh, ask us more questions. I'm sure then see that there's plenty of stuff that we can still talk about uh, with Dragon Age or with other Age games. Yep. Uh, so feel free to send us those questions or even your own creations. We'll get them on our episodes when they're appropriate. Uh, and now we're going to open our books to the Distant Verses. Do you ever wonder what lies at the edges of the map, past the seas? No. I think we have enough to worry about on this continent. Uh, of course, but... <sighs> Welcome to the Distant Verses. It's going to be a quick one, but it's going to be a cool one. I thought it was a good one to go out yeah, on. Can I say how much I just love this idea? Because, yeah. boy, I do love this idea, and I can't imagine yeah. how it feels any differently. Uh, from our good friend Snark Knight, uh, comes a background... The same. Yeah, it, it what? Uh, comes a background that's a little different uh, than most, is the ancient elf background. Ooh, the possibilities for this one. You can be such a jerk to the regular elves. The possibilities for how to be a jerk to modern day elves are endless. But I'm pretty sure you do have to be a jerk to regular elves. Probably. Uh, if Abelas is an indication. <laughs> Maybe your character is a survivor of Arlathan. Maybe they slipped into Uthanera and have simply awoken in the modern day. Maybe they are preserved as guardians of a temple to one of the elven gods. You know, if you want to add some of the mystery of the old elven people to your game, this background may be for you. 
Yeah, that's exceptional, and mm-hmm. I love it as a concept. So uh, that's one that I would love to play with sometime. Be all snotty to the elves in my party and not actually be any better than them, but definitely think that I am. Mm-hmm. God, I want to make so many jokes. But <laughs> there would still be some spoilers. A little bit of spoiler territory. Go play Trespasser. It's really cool. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find those that submission and more archived in our resources for your game page on our blog, wondersofthetus.wordpress.com. I'm not used to doing this. Part. We will be keeping that blog up. It is going yes. to stay where it is so that you can still access the resources for your game. Uh, we'll probably be linking to it from uh, whatever new websites or blogs we make for our new show. Yes. Absolutely. And of course, if you'd like to share your custom content, you can send it to aegispodcast at gmail.com. You can send it to us through our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, SoundCloud, or send a personal message to Caught the Protector or Healer Buff or Caught Release. Yeah. It does sound weird without the Google+. Plus. <laughs> it had a cadence going. We're just going to have to get used to it for the new show. <sighs> so I have a problem with our main topic. Yes. I don't think it exists. Because, you know, their whole society is underground. So how can they be highborn? C plus. This is our main topic for today. Is it fate or chance? I can never decide. So you're a highborn dwarf. I had another pun for this, but it wasn't appropriate for an all-ages podcast. Turn to page 22 of the core book. You can see the spec for yourself. Uh, so, uh, since we've got you here, Loremaster, uh, mm. could you tell us what a highborn dwarf is? Okay, well, you were born in Orzammar, because of course you were. It's the only way you could be a highborn dwarf. Um, and you were born into one of... Th- three casts. Either you're an artisan, a smith, or a warrior. And that basically decides what you're going to do with your life. Um, there's also a noble cast who are above you, but um, you're not quite there. You're close. And you can become noble, but you're not quite there. Um, the Dwarven society places a lot of emphasis on their caste system. They're very rigid about their caste system. You're born into it, and that's where you stay. The only way you can maybe get up is to have a child with somebody. And I'll get into that in a little bit. But there's, um, you have, there are like, one, two, three, like eight casts noble yeah the noble warrior smith artisan mining merchant servant and castless yeah that's eight if you count the castless um yeah the higher up you are the better life you have um you know if you're a noble warrior you're going to be living pretty good. If you're a merchant, maybe not so much. If you're castless, you're lucky if you've got a roof over your head between your head and the roof of the cave or wherever you're living. 
Um, yeah. The yeah, the only way you can get up is to have a child because the child takes the cast of the same-sex parent. And they actually have, are they called noble hunters? Yes, they're women of lower castes who go after higher caste men to try and have a child, a son, so that they can then re raise up to that cast. It's like the only way you're gonna get better. Yeah, I uh, I've it, uh, it was I was actually after we did that episode the Dwarf Duster episode I was also reminded that there I think there was like one NPC who was a male noble hunter, um, but it sounds like they have a rougher time just because women have. And uh, women of the higher castes apparently have much less reason to go looking for a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They would need to have a daughter. I mean, if they're already a higher caste, I mean, right. they don't need to go anywhere else. Right. And, you know, in um, dwarven society is very rigid in their gender roles, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, a woman can be a warrior, a man can be a warrior, but when it comes to, you know, marriage and children that's it you know women are there to you know provide a child because the birth rate in orzammar is and amongst dwarves is so low it's true they have a rough time yeah right so they there would be no reason for a woman to go down to try and bring up a man because if she's going to have a child she doesn't want to take the chance of Except going down love. in her cast. Love. Be, it could be love. True love. I mean, not super common in Orzammar. I do could be, sure. but but what would happen? I mean, there actually is in Dragon Age Origins. There is a a woman who did, who was of a higher caste, who had a child, the castless, and the child was a boy. So her family kicked her out. Oh, yeah, I actually remember that. That's yeah, nice. and you could part one of the quests you could do is either convince her family to take her back or tell her to go take her kid and leave him in the deep roads and or there's a whole bunch of different things you could do, but some of them were pretty scuzzy. Some of them were pretty not good. But yeah, again, dwarf in society, that's what they do. Gerf. I mean, it's t- it's not it's not pretty. It's that's fun. Not a great place if you don't care for gendered expectations or mm. are non-binary or trans. Probably very difficult. Yeah. Uh, probably. At that point, I think I mean, probably becomes like, can you give birth? Can you make someone pregnant? I, I think they probably... I'm guessing that anyone who is queer probably does not get to... Either keeps it under wraps or goes surface mm. pretty quickly. That's fair. I would say, yeah, my uh, my dwarf character was actually was gay, so she was going to, you know, do what was right for her family. She was of the warrior caste, um, but she ended up getting kicked out of Orzammar and could, and then was like, okay, let's go find me a lady. Ah, oh, damn, yep. this is this is awesome. <laughs> and, uh, speaking of who in dragon, and then she died. Oh no. <laughs> that part i forgot yeah she's the one that died that's okay 
But yeah, speaking of portrait. We're talking about your character's background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, we are talking about my dead character's background. Oh, that makes man. me sad. She was born dwarf. She was she was high she was actually an Orzammar exile, which is a different background. Yeah. I okay. believe. I believe there's actually an Orzammar exile, so that was what she actually was. Oh, yeah. Is there I don't think it's no? in the core book, as far oh, as I know. Not... Uh-huh. The surface dwarf. She, I think she was actually, we did the highborn dwarf. We used that because it's the only, I mean, if, if you're going to be adventuring, you're going to be on the surface. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Unless it's, I mean, you're not, unless you story. have something that's, right, if you're going to be doing a deep roads adventure and your dwarf is never going to leave the deep roads or Orzammar, then you you know, yeah, no problem. But if you're on the surface adventuring, which is probably what you're going to do, yeah, you're going a highborn dwarf. You're going to be some sort of exile, probably, yeah. um, because once you leave, you don't go back to Orzammar ever. There is no way. Yeah, there's not much. They're, they're not going to have you. There's not much for you here anymore. No, because once you leave, they feel you've lost your stone sense. You've lost your connection to the stone. And they, the stone is base is what they revere, other than their ancestors. Mm-hmm. Um, God, the stone is kind of like a it's living. The stone thing. provides, right? The stone provides for them, and they are born to the stone. The stone is part of them, and when they die, they go back to the stone. So, uh, if you leave, you don't have stone above your head. You lose that stone sense, and the stone basically will reject you. Is their belief? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, if you are taking this background, have a reason that you're that you left. Were you kicked out? Were you? Did you leave of your own volition? Do you want? Did you just weren't happy there? You know. Mm-hmm. You've got a pretty. Why did you life leave? Being a highborn dwarf, so. Yeah, I mean, mine got kicked out. She got exiled, so she really didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Um. But you know, if you're a if you're a highborn dwarf, you're living the high life. You got it good. And why would you leave that? So, if you just pick this, come up with some reason why you left. Yep, agreed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, who in Dragon Age has this background? Uh, <laughs> the first one that I came across was the weirdo and the dwarf commoner background who offers to buy your teeth. <laughs> That is also just beyond, that is a beyond excellent non-sequitur, or non-sequitur uh, phrase. <laughs> that, that sounds like, that sounds like something that needs to go in, like, uh, Cards Against Thetis. Yeah. Cards the, Against Dragon Age. The yeah. When the dwarf comment her background. Can I buy your, your teeth? teeth. <laughs> yeah, Show give you me a silver. teeth. Give you a silver for your teeth, for a tooth. No, a silver for two teeth, was it? You can, you can haggle them up to a silver and 50 coppers for a two teeth. I am not going lower than like you know a golden tooth. I like my right. teeth. They're nice. I like my teeth where they are. Thank you. <laughs> right. Uh, there's also Gasty Sturhald uh, from Dragon Age Inquisition, who is the one who helps with the mosaic tiles. He's part of the artisan cast. He's the one who says "best of the vein Inquisitor." I like that guy. Oh God, I like him too. Yeah, he was a good addition. Just got a good vibe from that mm. dude. I did. 
No, speaking of potentially uh, LGBT rockin' dwarves. People with good vibes. No, I was talking about Dagna. Mm, yeah, I mean, she also does that. She also has good vibes. Yes. She yeah, from Origins and Inquisition. She is a member of the Smith cast mm-hmm. and is also just the so best. freaking cool. I, she, I love Dagna. She's the cutest thing ever. Uh, she she starts out as a mage fangirl and ends up, of course, being amazing if you play your cards right. And potentially getting is... all smoochy with Sarah? Yeah, yeah. don't romance Sarah. Yep. Don't. They need For to get along together. OTP. Yeah. Calls her her Whittle. Yep. Why do I go where Whittle isn't? They draw a lot of bees as part of their little families <laughs> together. But you know, I, that, that might also just be a Sarah thing. Uh, Branca from Dragon Age Origins was part of the Smith cast. Uh, a paragon at the time. Mm-hmm. Less she, adorkable. Less adorkable. Yeah. 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 She, she she had issues. She had some big issues. There were some things going on. Uh, and of stuff. course, yeah, my favorite on this list, Ogryn of the Warrior cast. Freaking Ogryn. I love Ogryn. Uh, he's, he is pretty great. Uh, I can't say I love him more than I love Dagna, but I do have a deep and abiding fondness for Ogryn. I do too. He's just He's wonderful. Good. It just I like him a lot. Him drinking with Win is a mood and I oh. enjoy it yes. deeply. That's just a masterpiece. It's perfect. Ten out of ten. So I think that's our uh that that's everybody with that background. Pretty much. I mean I'd say yeah. at least the people of note. There's not a whole lot of Dwarven companion. Weirdo is of note. (laughs) Yeah, I I thought it was of note when I came across him in the wiki, (laughs) so I didn't remember that part. Dwarf just comes up and offers to buy your tea. Boy, that's thanks, Bioware. (laughs) Thanks, folks. Thanks for that great world building. I love it. At least now we know the conversion rate of teeth to silver, or at least. Castless teeth to silver. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, mechanics. What does this background <coughs> do? Uh, first, you have to select your cast that your character was born into. This is going to determine a lot about your character's life right off the bat. So, think about what's going to make the most interesting story. Uh, you get to pick between artisan, smith, or warrior. And we'll cover what each cast is all about a little later. Mm-hmm. Uh, you add one to your strength. You have to be strong to survive the politics of Orzammar. Ain't that the truth? Uh-huh. It's not as bad as Orlay, but, you know. Still rough. Yeah, yeah. You can still get shanked. Oh, yes. Yeah. <coughs> uh, you get to select one of three focuses, one of the only backgrounds that does this, uh, between dexterity crafting, strength intimidation, or strength smithing. Guess which gets what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very... Uh appropriate yes each one each uh, cast has an appropriate uh, focus mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me you're fine uh you gain magic resistance a permanent plus two te- bonus on tests to resist magical effects uh side which effect is of, awesome. yeah awesome a side effect of growing good. up in orzammar and the de- generational exposure to lyrium you don't sleep or yeah, you sleep you don't dream makes you a dang good nope. templar that does make you dang good Templar. But, but good luck finding an Orzammar dwarf who is also a Templar. Yeah, don't do not do that. 
also just don't, don't do that yeah don't i don't i don't like it don't do it Ooh, sorry yeah they're too focused on the stone and the ancestors to go to the chantry that one guy tried to set up a chantry that one brother burkle yeah he tried didn't that get burned down at some I point, would he be got, shocked if it didn't. Some, it, de- it depends on what you on um, your decisions. Sometimes okay. it did, sometimes it didn't, gotcha. and most of the time it did. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, and of course, you've got your benefits table. Uh, focuses are based around constitution, cunning, communication, and willpower. Uh, and the stat increases include a plus one to your constitution, cunning, or your willpower. All very useful. Rounding you out nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, of course, speak and read Dwarven and Trade Tongue, uh, and you get to pick Rogue or Warrior as your class. Uh, as Dagna has discovered, uh, Dwarven mages are really generally not a thing. Yeah, generally yep. not a thing. Yep. Tragic. Dwarven Arcanists, however, there's one of them now. And there's also Sandal, but we're... You know, we're... Sandal defies categorization. Sandal's a a category all of his own. It's true. Nobody, we don't know what Sandal is, really. Sandal is enchantment. He has a glorious write-up in Faces of Thetis. I love it so much. Yes. I love Sandal. I love Sandal, too. When we talk about surface doors. Enchantment boy. Well, yes, when we talk about surface doors, we gotta bring up the FedEx. Yes. So, uh, quick mention of the houses. Uh, While you are not necessarily part of a noble house, you've got a family. And being a highborn dwarf, you've probably got a fairly well-respected family, at least in terms of the hierarchy of Orzmar. Noble houses have incredible influence over Orzmar life. Uh, They have seats in the assembly and decide the direction of the government. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your family could be sworn to a noble family or maybe seeking patronage for one. Uh, gaining the notice of the nobles can be an exciting adventure of intrigue, racing other members of your cast or others uh, to gain the notice and their notice and their support. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, once you are under patronage, you are under plenty of pressure to increase their prestige with great your great works or deeds. Uh, you may be pressured into situations at the best of your patrons, uh, and be pre- so be prepared for adventures on behalf of your of your noble patrons. Yep. You know, they might ask you to do some stuff on on their behalf. And the word ask is in quotation marks. Yeah, yeah. big, big italic quotation marks. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, getting patronage is going to be uh, probably a big part of any highborn dwarf's life. You're going to be Unless you're more, leaving. Unless you're leaving, of course. In which case, you know, who cares? Whatever. Yeah. Give them, give them the middle finger on your way out. Mm-hmm. You know you want to. Backflip into the sky. <laughs> yeah. Just glitch right through the ceiling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, while the noble houses are a big part of Orzammar, it's not all of Orzammar. Uh, and, as we mentioned, your life is heavily defined by your cast. Um, your cast tells you what, you what jobs you are able to perform. Uh, and that is the work that you get. You are going to take up the job of your cast, and you don't do other things. Merchants can't be nope. sm- can't do smithing. Uh, servants can't perform the duties of an artisan. There's no crossover. That's uh, unfortunate. Unfortunately, yes. 
Some of the casts do work together, like the Smiths and Artisans actually work fairly closely together. Artisans have plenty of their uh, own jobs that they work on, but they will often finish the jobs of the Smiths, but they don't do smithing. Yeah. Uh, right. So, a lot of your life is going to be defined by that occupation, uh, and finding ways to improve the lot of your family through your hard work, your luck, or some underhanded tactics. Stabbings. Like those. Uh, you're probably not looking for much more upward motion as a highborn dwarf, unless, of course, the possibility presents itself. Uh, unless you're ambitious. Or your family is. A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Uh, you already probably got a fairly comfortable life in Orzammar, relatively. As comfortable as life in Orzammar can get. Mm -hmm. uh, so you probably don't want for that much. Uh, it is worth remembering, though, that being caught committing a crime that is bad enough can have you stripped of your caste and have you living in Dust Town. Um, some rivals may seek to have you removed from the game board in this way, depending on your campaign and circumstances. Do you get caught doing your stabbings? Because if you do, this is quite possibly your fate. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at the same time, you know, except for things like the religion and the, the stone and the ancestors, your diet and the ever-looming threat of Darkspawn on the Deep Roads, you know, it's just like living <laughs> anywhere else, right? <laughs> You know, except for all these major factors that make it extremely different, it's kind of like being yeah. anywhere else, and that it is a place still, that is oxygen. They still like they make bread. They get up for and brush their teeth in the morning. I they hope go so. to market. Uh, if you, they go to market, if they're a merchant, uh, and if they're not, then you'll be beaten. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, yeah, just like anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, just like they did in Orlay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, sneaking into the farmers market in our town tomorrow. <laughs> Because I'm not a merchant. You're not a merchant. <laughs> and Just the, uh, all the delightful Amish families will destroy me if they figure that out. <laughs> so, uh, we've already, let's see, we've mentioned the, the mobility between casts is difficult, if not non-existent. Pretty much exclusively through marriage. Yeah, and then having... A baby that takes the, that happens to be the spouse, mm -hmm. your spouse's gender. Which means, with you being a highborn dwarf, that means that you are probably pretty good pickings as a spouse. Mm -hmm. You may get mm -hmm. some offers. You might. You may have to consider those offers. Mm -hmm. uh, especially because of the low birth rates of uh, low birth rates of Orzammar, you may want to, you may decide to take the chance. Mm -hmm. Uh, life has been difficult for the dwarves for a long time and no small part because of the Darkspawn. Orzammar is cut off from what used to be a sprawling underground kingdom of Tigs. Orzammar is basically alone right now, and so is Kalsharak, uh, up in the north. So it's... you guys are stuck in this one big cave. It's really warm in here, but there's Darkspawn outside <laughs> the walls. Uh, and Orzammar holds very few things beyond that tag, uh, and then there, but they are, you know, always looking for the opportunity to expand again. The less said about the Ortarm tag, the better. Unless your theme is giant spiders. <laughs> oh, that's right, yes. That's definitely a thing. That's the part of the game I made Ren do. Because <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. You know, uh... So let's talk about the casts. Uh, Lower Master Leona, what does the artisan yes. cast do? Um, they're like the they're the artists. They um, they don't do metalworking, but everything else they do. Um, 
they'll fought, they'll do architecture. Probably the biggest, most important thing they do is the carvings of the paragons. Um, the, the paragons are ancestors who have done something so wonderful for Orzammar and for dwarven society that they have, it is decided that these people are basically their equivalent of gods. So you will have carvings of the paragons throughout Orzammar. The artisan cast is the one that is, would be the ones that do that. Um, they probably do stuff for like pottery. They'll probably be the ones making everybody's bowls and dishes and, you know, mm -hmm. the everyday use. Um, they're probably, they're not as, you know, as high as this of the um, highborn casts. They're the lowest. Mm-hmm. But they're still pretty okay. Um, they probably have... They, they make fine dwarven craft. You won't find better. <laughs> you will not find better. <laughs> they are fine dwarven crafts. Mm -hmm. so... um, they probably do some stuff with rune crafting, too. Mm -hmm. um, probably with the help of the smiths. The smiths and the artisans work like you said, work together a lot. Mm -hmm. The Smiths are slightly more respected. Uh, just the, a little. You know, just a little. Uh, but the artisans still fill a lot of important roles in Orzammar. Uh, what does the Smith cast do? They do what the artisans do, except they do it in metal. Um, they also are the ones that's going to make weapons, armor, um, jewelry, you know, tools, hammers, you know, pickaxes, um, hinges and doorknobs for houses. Um, anything that you can think of that's made of metal, that's what the Smith cast is going to be doing. Mm -hmm. Again, they probably do some rune crafting with the artisans. Um, yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, let's see, um, I was actually very, uh, curious to find out that the Smiths also have, uh, competitions where they present their work, uh, for purchase. Uh, almost kind of like their own provings. And these events are known to produce excellent works of art that any dwarf of any caste would be proud to own. Um, so they kind of have, like, their own little competitions. Uh, let's see, not really, like, you know, blood, sweat, tears, hit people with hammers kinds of provings. But uh, still plenty of ways to try and lay, to show off your work and gain some prestige. And it's the kind where everybody lives at the end. So collaborative events yeah. are now possible. That's fun, right? Probably a way to free you to get a patron as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. So. All right. Uh, and finally, uh, what does the warrior cast do? Well, the warrior cast is what it says on the tin. It's not bad. You're, <laughs> you're, uh, you're warriors. You are the, the soldiers, the officers, the police, the security. You take up weapons and you defend Orzammar. And, um, yeah, that's what you do. Pretty much. Pretty yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, you also get to fight in the Coliseum uh, that we call the Proving Grounds. You do. You do. That's a fun one. And if you win, you're it's because the ancestors have granted you favor. Mm -hmm. They like you. Yep. 
Proving grounds are where folks go uh, when debate is not going to solve it, but a good old brawl sure will. So mm -hmm. uh, important people will select champions, probably from the warrior cast, uh, to fight for them. You uh, and, die for my point. And like. whoever wins the fight means that they were right. Or at least that yeah. means that the ancestors think they're right. Right. I mean, it's, it's, the ancestors are the end-all and be-all. If you win, it's because the ancestors say you're right. And if the ancestors, who am I to argue with the ancestors? Mm -hmm. This plan makes they a have... whole lot of logical sense. And right. the, uh, there's nothing unreasonable about it. Absolutely. No, not at all. <laughs> You know what's also completely reasonable? Berserkers. <laughs> which they have quite a few. Yeah. Of which they have quite a few. Uh-huh, including um, our good friend Ogryn. Berserkers, berserkers came from Orzammar. They were the ones that developed the berserking um, specialization and all the techniques. So you're going to find a lot of berserkers in Orzammar. Especially mm -hmm. in that warrior cast. Hopefully in yep. that warrior cast. <laughs> One like a... The berserker artisan who's just like <laughs> screaming as they like gently carve out like the left eye of somebody's grandmother. Wow. Like look at him go. <laughs> look at him go. Dang, <laughs> got that energy. It's very. I will shake this stone. <laughs> it's very postmodern as they're like taking, as they're like screaming and grabbing mounds of clay and throwing it against a wall. So deep. I know people who do stuff like that. <laughs> Postmodernism. It's yeah. a it's a heck of a drug. <laughs> I actually really do kind of now want to play an artisan berserker. <laughs> you, can, you can take the warrior class. So <gasps> what's gonna stop you? Perfect. Good therapy will stop you. Think mm. about our problems instead of getting very angry about them. You can have the anger. You just have to express it constructively. Oof. My, in my head canon, uh, when you're learning the Berserker specialization from Ogryn, um, I mean, because we didn't go to Orzammar immediately, I learned the Berserker specialization is like my, uh, my war, my, uh, Dragon Age Origin characters, like free specialization that they get as their mm -hmm. first specialization. So I, I reasoned that it, that when he, Went berserk. Uh, Ogren mentioned that they usually have to th like think of something that gets them angry. I I picked that he thought about his mom. Oh, sad story. How mom just had to how she just kind of gave up on them. I really it's 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 a heartbreaking dynamic, but they did a really good job writing that dwarf commoner origin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what do we care today? We're highborn dwarves. We're we're doing well. We're doing just We're doing fine. well, which means they don't matter. All right. Hmm. Quite. Let's talk about some hooks. What are some cool ways to get All these right. guys in? All right. Uh, I'm actually, I'm pretty excited about some of these. And I kind of want to write some adventures around them now. Uh, I'll go first on this okay. first one. Uh, a dwarf castless seeks out the heroes, asking for help in securing a number of materials for their lord. The materials include tools, unique metals, and a gem that must be uncovered from a set of jewelry that belongs to the ancestor of a paragon whose tomb was recently discovered. Many of these can be simply purchased or traded for. A castless has little chance of finding someone willing to do business with them, but outsiders from the surface may be able to. The more eclectic things on the list will require some exploration of the deep roads. Once the shopping list is completed and the items are returned to the castless, they thank the heroes and pay them for their help. 
If the heroes ask how the cast list can, has access to such funds, they can discover that the cast list has talent for smithing unlike many have seen in an age, but cannot perform this task due to the cast system. He crafts these things in secret and was discovered by a mediocre smith who wanted to improve his fortunes. While this smith is being given accolades and commissions for greater work, the cast list only sees a small part of the profit. The cast list is simply happy to be doing what they enjoy doing, but the heroes may make the choice to help them get the recognition they deserve. Like this could be blackmailing the smith into sharing more prestige or helping smuggle the cast list to the surface, which they may or may not want to do in the first place. I can pretty much pinpoint the point in this plot hook where you stopped writing a plot hook and started writing a scenario. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. It sounds really good and I want to play it. It is good. Just use the at sign if you're trying to think if, <laughs> if you're coming for me. At Ren LeBeau. <laughs> just say it. Uh, would you like to read the next one? Yes. I would. There is an expedition being planned to retake a tag nearby Orzammar, but there are no houses who are willing to lend soldiers to the cause and leave themselves defenseless from other houses and their machinations. To find some kind of common ground, a group of famous adventurers, the party, are being contacted by the assembly to be the vanguard in their explorations, scouting ahead so troops could follow. Houses may try to reach out to the heroes, asking them to hide treasures they find and gift them to the house so that they may claim they found it first. The party may have to juggle offers from several houses to set traps, send treasures, or lie to rivals about discoveries, and the party will have to decide how they want to proceed and who they can afford to antagonize, all while trying to survive the deep roads. Oof. You think it's just going to be a simple uh, archaeological expedition? You thought wrong. When is it ever simple? That is true. Make sure that they know that we found Idukin's shield. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I love that set traps is on the list. Like, I mean, you know, if something I can see if something should happen to the nobles, to that nobles warrior cast, then you know, that's their own problem. Mm-hmm. Deeply unfortunate, but deeply these unfortunate. Uh, uh, Leona, would you mind reading the last one? Sure. A trap making competition is in the works, and the best designed traps will get the lucky artisan who designed them a job in helping build a dragon's crush for a Norwegian noble. An artisan friend of the heroes wants them to help design a deadly trap and promises to share with them the pay that they would receive for working on a wealthy noble's years-long project. While this would secure the heroes some income for a while, they also find out that they intend to test the traps on castless volunteers who have been promised rewards for surviving the traps they are given. Will the heroes play this dark game, or will they speak up and make the artisans test the works of their rivals? Will the heroes even let this continue? That's dark. That is dark. That's real dark. I, it felt very Dragon Age. That's some dead man It Wonderland. does feel very Dragon Age. Well, you know what they tried making golems out of for a little while? Yeah. Well, they did make golems out of yeah. them for a little... For, there are, for, none, none of ever. the golems that have ever been made have been ethically made. Not really, no. Not no. a thing. Even the guy who designed him, kind of. Uh, things go pretty bad for him. <laughs> yeah, that was my bad. I didn't go so good. All right. Well, that is going to Nancy. We're going to close that book on that episode of the Wonders of Thetis. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank goodness, I might have to. Uh, Sad. Uh, yeah, right. No, I, I think it's safe to say Ow. that the new podcast is going to uh, dwarf the old one. 
You know I wouldn't let you out of here without something like that. That one was pretty good. I'll take that, that one. That one was good. I'll, yeah, that was good. Who? Well, um, if for those of you out there who like what we do, we since our Patreon still exists. Uh, it's going to pretty much be the same. I'm going to probably I'm going to be seeing how much we're going to be allowed to adjust it. Um, uh, if you support us at three dollars per month, uh, you get access to our Patreon poll, which is worth twice as many votes as any other polls. Although I am considering for this new show, eh, I'm I was considering for this new show making it. Patrons are the only ones who get to vote on episode topics. We'll see. I kind of like having, you know, no act. Like, we're going to get more votes if we let it. If we, I keep think it we public. should let it public vote too, because mm-hmm. we're already going to have some pretty cool stuff for that are patrons only, like blooper mm-hmm. reels, uh, potentially some vlogs from cast members. Yes. Uh, artwork, uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. And if you're supporting us on Patreon, you'll be able to access all of those things. Uh, if you support us with $5 per month, you'll get to hear the episodes a week early on Patreon, and that will extend to these new shows that we're doing. Yes. We'll be trying to make sure that we keep our current schedule. We'll be getting, so we'll be getting this episode out to patrons uh, and see right away. Uh, and then a week later, this will go live on public for everybody else. It's like uh, and then the, the week 31st, after that. I think this will go live for the public. Yes, I believe that's correct. Yeah. Uh, and then the following week, we're going to go straight into our actual play podcast. We got some stuff ready for you. So we got a lot of stuff ready for you. That's we're, some good listening. Yeah, we're really hoping that you'll be down for it. But uh, whatever you can contribute is appreciated. You can find a link to our Patreon and our blog and in the post for the show. If you'd like to keep up with the show, uh, you can follow us on social media. We'll probably be ma- uh, making links to the new show on the social media. You can leave a comment or a question. Tell us how we'd still love to hear how Dragon Age games are going. Oh, yes. And we're still going to probably have some actual play dra- uh, Dragon Age related things yes. going as well. We've got some people very excited to be involved with that. I want to do an actual play of high level Dragon Age play. Yeah. I think the thing we were discussing is mm-hmm. one that we need to do. I think it's going to, I think it'll work. We got a couple of ideas, honestly. Yeah. They're all good. Okay. Well, not every idea we've ever had is good, but these ones are. Uh, let's see. Feel free to comment on our show on SoundCloud, and if you can, please leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play. It really helps us out, and that will, of course, go just as well for the uh, for the new shows that are coming out. Unless it's a mean review, not a constructive review. If you're just mean, then don't 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 put anything mean. You can tell us what's wrong, but don't be like one star. Sucks to suck. We'd appreciate it. Uh, this is Ren, wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die. This is Jessica, wishing you good heels and happy feels. This is Leona, may the creators guide you on your way. Thank you so much for the ones that did this podcast. We'll catch you on the other side. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.